And so this is separate than from the autopilot issues we had discussed in previous episodes. This is power steering. So even if no autopilot, it's just someone driving in their car and they lose control of the car essentially because the, the steering isn't working. Right. They can't steer the car. Um, and there's, so for example, one of the cases that was linked to a crash is a driver who was trying to make a right-hand turn and the power steering's out. And so they're trying, 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 and they couldn't couldn't make the, the turn and ended up striking a vehicle. Um, and then a another individual actually talked about what happened to um, to to him, and he said um, that he nearly went into a ditch. He said he felt the steering wheel on his 2023 Model Y jerk to the right, um, and he said, "quote It tried to kill me, <laughs> taking him off into into a ditch." Yeah, 2023. So, I mean, that's a new model. Right, right. And so, yeah, the the it's Model Three and Model Y vehicles from 2023. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing prioritizing dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back. Another week, another episode. Prioritizing profits, dangerous drug and product cases. How are you doing? How's your weekend? How's your day? All good. All good. Actually, um, lots going on, but all positive things. Um, It was fun seeing you and Christina this weekend. Uh, We did a little pre-recording since I will be heading to Tampa tomorrow. And so a busy week, actually a busy week. Um, And then last night, um, Peter and I were celebrating. February 6th is the uh, anniversary of the day we met for the first time. And so it was 11 years last night. It's impressive you guys remember that. I don't think... I don't think I could figure out, even if I tried and like went back, I don't know if I could figure out the day me and Christina met. I mean, maybe, maybe, I guess if we went through like years of photos and... Well, but you guys met in Miami and yeah. so you could probably figure out the dates of that trip. Yeah. It just seems like so much, so much work there. <laughs> so, so here's the funny thing. Um, <clears throat> Peter is like more romantic than I am. <laughs> I know this is hard to imagine, but um, so we celebrate like a lot. I mean, he celebrate well. We celebrate February sixth, the day we met, um, our wedding, of course, which is September nineteenth anniversary, yeah, nine nineteen anniversary. Um, but then we were also he celebrates the day we got engaged, which is like August twenty eighth or twenty ninth. I don't know. He would know, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then we even celebrate. Um, the day we officially turned in our wedding marriage paperwork, which is January 1st, because for tax reasons, we had to, we had, we'd already planned the celebration. So we celebrated as planned the big wedding on 919, but we didn't actually file the paperwork until 1 well, 1. That, that's reasonable. I think celebrating the day that you turn in the paperwork, <laughs> well, especially because it's like right after New Year's, right? So it's like, oh, happy New Year. And then boom, oh, happy wedding and official signing anniversary uh-huh. day. So we kind of have like four anniversaries we celebrate. Yeah. But then the other thing that I found is that if you go to a restaurant, which we did last night, and I'll tell you about that as well. But um, if you go to a restaurant and you say it's your anniversary, you almost always get a free dessert. Yeah. I mean, it's like doing a birthday trick as well. Uh, but birthday. you could get caught on the birthday trick because they could ask for your ID. But nobody carries no, around cares. their you know, marriage license. So you could basically, every time you go out to dinner, say it's your anniversary. Yeah. And be, you know... Racking up some free desserts. I would be hmm. shocked if they if someone checked the ID. Um, but I guess if it was like me and Christina and we get ID'd for ordering a drink, <laughs> they also say it's our birthday. And then they're like, wait a minute. And we tell them it's a fake ID. So it's, <laughs> it's a lose-lose either way. Um, that's impressive. You guys have so many holidays. And the fact that you keep track of it, is it something where both of you have it on your calendar and you're aware? Or is it more kind of like my situation where it's like Christina on Monday is like, hey... Uh, are you looking forward to our anniversary this week? Wink, wink. Well, I would say, well, like, as I said, Peter's a little bit more romantic than I am, so it's kind of more on, more his thing that we celebrate all four of these. Mm-hmm. But the February sixth one um, comes up a lot, so yeah. I, so that, that's pretty much drilled into my memory at this point. <laughs> yeah. And do you get gifts for each other, or is it just a dinner? Is it one year someone does one thing, or one? holiday, anniversary, whatever you want to call it. So one does kind of the planning and stuff, and then you guys switch off? Or how does that work? Well, so there have been times, and again, with that many of them, that's a lot of presents. Yeah, I mean, so. not that I mind. Um, 
so this time, you know, over the years, it kind of varies. Um, but at this point, I feel kind of like, you know, if there's some particular gift that I've seen that's great for him, okay, maybe something little, nothing necessarily really big for this yeah. anniversary. I guess I kind of expect on the wedding anniversary, you know, where I like seriously committed to life together that I should get a present. That's but. the stereotypical one. I think that's what most people do is until you get married, it's the anniversary of when you started dating. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, two years dating, three years dating. But then once you get married... Everything else goes out the window, and it's just okay. Wedding anniversary, Valentine's, and then the usual, the usual <laughs> holidays. holidays. Yeah. Well, so um, Peter did get me a gift, but again, I wasn't like expecting some big expensive piece of jewelry or something. Yeah. Um, but he got me a really cute pillow um, with a big heart on it, um, and and a nice card. And I got him a very nice card. And then we went out to dinner at um, Charo Steak and Del Rey. How was that? It was excellent. I had the lobster that you like so much. Yeah, it was as good as uh, it, was, it was last time. Yeah, it was really good. And so this is um, kind of a crazy thing. I've never seen it anywhere else, but it's kind of like a Mexican-style lobster. So it's a full lobster cut in half, um, and then they fill it with um, tamale kind of sauce material like and then sauce. the sauce on top. Yeah. And one side has the red sauce, one side has the green sauce. So it was delicious, um, quite filling. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think what surprised me the most was how good the lobster was in Tucson. I think yeah, like Arizona <laughs> isn't really known for our seafood, surprisingly. Uh, middle of the desert. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that's like one of the only places that I, as soon as I had it, I was, I was pretty surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, you know, the restaurants ship it in from Maine or probably Mexico or maybe California. Um, you know, and I'm sure it's been, well, it's probably been frozen. I doubt they ship it in too. Well, there was a restaurant actually here in town that's closed now, but they, um, insisted that they flew, uh, flew seafood in from Mexico, um, every couple of days. Insisted. Wow. Well, I I guess I was skeptical. That's why I said they insisted they did. Uh, well, that sounds like a good weekend. You got a big week coming up with your traveling, and that's for Sober in the City, right? Yeah, yeah. So Zero Proof Experiences, they put on events called Sober in the City, and it's about 100 women getting together in Tampa, Florida. Um, wild. So wild. Three days. Um, and of course, uh, there's a lot of flamingos in Tampa. And I learned something new, a new word. Um, do you know what a group of flamingos is called? Uh, flamingi? <laughs> a flamboyance flamboyance isn't that very cool yeah yeah i like that it yeah. sounds like a good gay bar name <laughs> the flamboyance exactly yeah and, and the flamingos would be kind of a cool uh, little uh, sign or decoration, decoration yeah it's just the yeah. whole theme logo whole theme. or yeah 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 so i mean it's much nicer than you know a, a group of crows is a murder yeah yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that entire event sounds like a good time, too. Yeah. Um, and, and the theme of it being flamingos, I'm assuming you have a bunch of pink feathery clothing and hats and stuff that you have packed yes. up and ready. Well, there's a flamingo the first night, and uh, everybody's supposed to wear pink. And then I, of course, like accessories, so I have some big flamingo earrings, and then I got some flamingo headbands, and I got a few extras for some of my closest friends. Nice. So you got to make sure they're a, strapped up. Yeah, so that they can be, we can be our own little flamboyance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so then there's, there's pickleball, and there's the big fancy dinner on um, Saturday night, um, and then a bunch of other, you know, little uh, sessions and seminar kind of things. So it should be should be pretty fun. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. I mean, a lot of these people you talk to throughout the year, Absolutely, and then this yeah. is like the one big time. Not two, at least two, twice a year. <laughs> twice a year, but you know, one in the recent time is it's a pretty pretty big deal. I mean, everyone across the the country, across the world, in some cases, coming out to meet each other, and they've yeah. obviously made these friendships over a long time yeah. online. It's good stuff. Yeah, I'm very excited. Very excited. And uh, how about how about you? Uh, not much, not much weekend. I mean, we were here, so yeah. you, you kind of know what was going on there. Um, recorded and then hung out with some friends, went out to dinner. The usual, I don't know, it was a nice little kind of like mini staycation almost, I guess, getting out of Phoenix a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, drove back Sunday, which was a little bit of a hike, quite a bit of drive we got, didn't get back till later, uh, but that was fine. That was fine. And then just been chugging along this week. But I think we're ready to go and hop into some of these cases updates. What do you want to okay. start there? 
updates. Um, yeah, so back to Philips. We've been talking about the Philips CPAP recall quite a bit. Um, and there was just an update on the total death count at this point, and it's up to 561 deaths since the recall uh, back in 2021. So that's related to the use of the Philips um, CPAP machines. Wow. Yeah, and they um, between July and September of 2023, there were more than 7,000 uh, reports, um, including 111 reports of deaths. And so the deaths are from diseases or things that you can kind of contract from using this product, from inhaling those those toxic materials. Right. But I would also assume that some of these are like are cancers, for example, and they take mm-hmm. a long time. Right. So, so cancers or deaths from the cancers. Yeah, death from yeah. The cancers. But the, that death amount is probably going to rise and, yes. and, and at a pretty good exponential rate because those those diseases take a long time to really... Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that and then also the fact that people are going to relate cancers that they may have had even before the recall, oh, yeah. but they didn't have any idea that it could have been related to the CPAP machine. So as the, you know, as the awareness grows and the doctors are relating you know these particular cancers back, then those numbers uh, rise as well. So what does it look like if? let's say a family member of mine passed away and they had a cancer and I see all these cases coming up and I realize, wow, that family member was on a CPAP machine for a few years and the drug is one of the ones that have a you know high likelihood. Yeah. yeah, one of the cancers, sorry, one of the cancers are, are high possibility that was connected to the CPAP machine. Is there still a lawsuit there even though that family member has already passed? Or what does that look like on the back end trying to make that connection? It, it could be. And again, this would go um, state by state depending on the statute of limitations. But so, for example, in Arizona, a wrongful death claim um, is two years from the date of death. Mm. So if you figured it out within that time frame, um, you potentially could still have a case. Um, it's oftentimes a bit more difficult if the person has already passed away. Um, you're going to hope, you're, at this point, you're just looking at medical records. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to have actually samples, um, pathology, that sort of thing, depending on whether or not they, you know, exactly, you know, what what is in the records and, yeah. what, and what samples might have been preserved. So it's going to be more difficult, but that's not to say that it couldn't mm-hmm. um, be related. Uh, would be related back and, and substantiated. So it's definitely worth checking into. And again, different different states have different statute of limitations. So it yeah. could be longer, it could be shorter. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a possibility as well. And, and for the two years on wrongful death claims, uh, in, in a lot of these situations, you know, it takes years for these defects to come out. And does that have any effect on kind of that statute of limitations there where maybe it was two years after that person died, but no one had any idea there's issues with this product until three, four years after? Yeah, again, it would be really hard to prove at that point. Um, and, and it would depend on the state. And there are arguments that could be made. Um, a lot of states have what's called the discovery rule. And so that goes from the time when you knew or should have known that that you, you know, that you suffered an injury. Yeah. Um, so that would kind of fit into the scenario that you're setting forth where the person's died, but nobody thought until, you know, significantly later that it could have been related. Um, <clears throat> so again, that is, a, it, it is a possibility. Um, and you should reach out out because it would depend on the state, uh, the law, the statute of limitations, whether there's a discovery rule, um, and then, you know, what kind of finagling and, and arguing your attorney could could do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that's, uh, it probably applies to like some of the AIDS drug cases mm-hmm. because, yeah. I mean, that's been going on for a really long time and they had knowledge of it since the very early days that they released it to the market. Um, but yeah, those, those situations I imagine are, are pretty complicated and definitely a case by case basis and, and incredibly difficult for the families as well. You know, mm, when, yeah. once uh, a family member passes, you know, you take your time to grieve, but at some point you kind of, you want to you know, move on from it, right? You want to kind of just leave that in the past, what it's in the past. And, uh, I would imagine something like this might bring up a lot of those emotions and difficulties. And- well, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, for some people, I mean, I've talked to a lot of clients over the years, um, around these things. 
things. And some people feel like they they like having, you know, an explanation or an answer yeah, or why this sense. might have happened. But on the other side, a lot of times, you know, we're, we'll, we'll end up saying to the person, no, it does not look like this is related. Sometimes that's a relief because they feel like, okay, there's nothing, you know, nobody did anything wrong. It's yeah. just the way it went. Um, you know, they died of, you know, natural causes, um, but it wasn't some evil corporation who yeah. was prioritizing profits over their loved one's life and safety and all of that. Um, so so it really depends. Some people feel much more comfortable knowing that uh, they didn't have a lawsuit. Others feel better, uh, you know, standing up and, mm-hmm. and, and, and um, advocating on behalf of their loved one and kind of, uh, you know, making an effort to ensure that that doesn't happen to other families in the future. Yeah, I, 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 that makes sense. Uh, definitely a case-by-case basis. Um, moving back to the CPAP machines, though, those deaths are, are definitely racking up pretty quickly, and I imagine yeah. it's only going to increase more as, as uh, studies and the word gets out about these conditions. Yeah, yeah, it's going and it's going to continue. The numbers are going to continue to to rise. Um, and we did talk on the not, not not the last one, not not our Valentine's Day special, but the the uh, show before that. We talked about the fact that Philips is no longer going to be selling the devices in the United States. Um, they're in the process of complying um, with a consent decree. Um, in the U.S. Um, to ensure that these problems are resolved and that they would not occur again. So um, that's a big change as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's good. That's, <laughs> it's, they're off the market. They're yeah, they're off the market. Uh, I mean, it's just still a shitty situation because we know that uh, these types of disease, diseases and conditions take a while for them to become noticeable, for them to be diagnosed, and these machines are so widely used. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and are still widely used, even yeah. though they're not selling new ones. I mean, you know, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people, billions of people, actually are using them currently. And and I think it would just be really scary too, even if you were able to get rid of the the, the Philips and get a different one today. You know, you know how many years you used it. You don't have cancer today, but just that that that, that anxiety of you know, am I going to get one of these cancers? Mm-hmm. And that entire time, you know, sleep apnea it has it varies a lot on the severity of it. For some people, it's completely necessary to have a CPAP machine. For other people, it's uh, something that definitely helps their day to day, but isn't a life or death type situation. And I'd imagine in those cases, it's a lot more difficult because you know their doctor probably gave them the option, said you know this might help this might help you or it might not it's something that it's up to you and they make the conscious decision to do it just see if it helps and then they find out two three years later that it could lead to these serious conditions yeah i mean it's it's difficult too though because i mean lack of sleep can be a a problem for you can can be a a, you know a risk factor for a lot of conditions as well and can affect your health even if it's not life or death so man it's kind of you're screwed one (laughs) almost yeah um, well, definitely keep us updated on that. I will be curious to see how many of these conditions kind of come up, how the numbers are, are acting here, um, especially with this recall. I mean, hopefully it slows down, but I'm not yeah. too sure. Well, and this, I mean, this is a very active litigation and people are filing lawsuits daily. Um, and so those numbers are just going to keep going up as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> uh, what other updates do you have for us? Okay, Camp Lejeune. Um, and this is interesting. Um, we've, we've talked quite a bit about, about this, um, but a study was recently, was actually just released um, and it was a governmental study, and it compared um, uh, people who lived at Camp Lejeune with another similar um, military base, and that one was in Camp Pendleton, California. So it was a similarly sized base, but the Camp Pendleton, of course, did not have the issue of, uh, of contaminated water. And they showed, sure enough, um, the people at Camp Lejeune were 20% more likely to be diagnosed with a variety of cancers. Um, and, and the key about this, well, this was a, a study that the government had done, and they actually didn't want to release it. But in the litigation, the plaintiffs were saying, look, you know, this this is clearly relevant and it needs to be released. So that did just get released. It's a 64-page paper. Um, and sure enough, it did show um, 
that that this was a very dangerous place to be stationed yeah. and to have your family. Um, and the thing that is is going to be help, well, it's going to be, obviously that's very helpful to the litigation as a whole. But it's also helpful because it it, it addressed some specific conditions. And we talked about before there was like an expedite, uh, expedited option yeah. um, for certain types of cancers that were more clearly linked than others. And this may expand that list of the linkable sense. linkable yeah. cancers. Um, and so this study showed, um, so it was some types of leukemia, lymphoma, cancers of the lung, breast, larynx, esophagus, thyroid, and soft tissues. Jesus. So it kind of opens up that list where we have a, a much better connection and a really good comparison. I mean, it's a military base. All else is very similar yeah. other than the fact that um, they don't have contaminated water. <laughs> yeah. I, it makes sense that the government didn't want to release it. Thank goodness that they did, that yeah, the, uh, yeah, the prosecution that that pushed happened. it. Um, I mean, 20%, that's a, that's a pretty large number there, and those conditions are terrifying. I yeah, mean, again, really, really serious, awful things. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, they were drinking toxic water. And, well, and, and it's, it's, veterans, it's veterans and their family. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's kids and mothers and sisters that were just there. Yeah, everybody uh, on the base. Supporting the family. and Yeah, employees, the whole nine yeah, yards. That's terrible. Terrible, terrible. Um, well, I am glad that that report did come out and it's shedding some light on it. And it makes sense that it's going to be added. Those those conditions are going to be added to the expedited. Yeah, I mean, we're not. that's not a for sure. But again, there's a good chance yeah. of that because, I mean, it makes sense to do the expedited if there is strong evidence and you don't have to be, you know, getting into the, really into the weeds of mm-hmm. proof. Um, so the expectation is based on this, that, that that likely will happen. But I never like to make guarantees. And, and, and again, <laughs> with like this government, I mean, this is a government study recognizing that a government premises had this contamination, that they were responsible for these serious life-altering, life-ending diseases in some cases. Uh, is there any changes on the back end? There's no criminal prosecution. Like, how is anyone being held accountable on a more individual basis? Or is this just like, hey, sorry, we fucked up, guys. Here's... Well, it's more complicated, too, when you're dealing with the government. Yeah, yeah And there's all sorts of protections. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know if, if, you know, particular people who maybe had the information and should have done something, yeah. um, I don't know who those people are or kind of what that's. I'll, I'll check into it and see if I can find anything out, yeah. um, you know, maybe the next update. I would just hope that there would be some more accountability. Like, I think with these uh, prescription companies, these medical device companies, they, there's a lot of money. And, and as much as I disagree with it, I see where they're coming from, right? They're prioritizing profits. They right. want billions of dollars, millions and billions of dollars, and they're willing to sacrifice people's lives. Government, I would imagine, and I think a lot of people view the government as someone that's obviously supposed to protect their citizens, protect their nation. And so they would be held to a little bit higher accountability. Um, I mean, I, they, they, yeah, so they should be. But at the same time, I mean, when you're in the military, basically your body is owned by the government at that point, And there's all kinds of, yeah. I mean, they, they can send you out there and have you shot by people. I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, they should be taking reasonable measures to protect you. But the families, um, they don't own the family's bodies, yeah. right? Like, so that's, that's <laughs> completely uh, different. Yeah. Anyways, I, I would, just a curiosity there. I'm assuming probably not. It's easier on their in their hands if they can just kind of say oh my bad guys here's a study you're right we fucked up we'll expedite it expedite it which thank goodness they are but um moving on what other updates um well a couple more um so uh ozempic cases of course we've talked a lot about that um and it was it, it still is early in the litigation but these have now been consolidated into a multi-district litigation um they've been consolidated in the eastern uh district of pennsylvania um, so Philadelphia area, and um, there are so so what happens? And, and again, just kind of recap: if you're a regular listener, you know this. But cases get filed in in uh, various jurisdictions across the country, and then it's determined where they're all going to be consolidated, and then all of those cases get moved. And so there were 55 cases filed, and so those 55 now are going to be consolidated in Pennsylvania. Um, and again, kind of how this process works is that there are. I mean, we had talked. I don't even remember the numbers about the one for Morgan and Morgan and how many thousands of cases that they have 
had that weren't filed. Yeah. And again, most attorneys, you know, you'll file maybe a couple of cases and you want to file them in jurisdictions that you would like the case to be consolidated in. Yeah. Um, but and you the don't. The best cases, too, right? I mean, most of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely the best cases. Um, it, but, you know, you don't go file, and, and it's expensive. I mean, yeah. filing fees are probably average four or $500 per case. Um, and so if you have 10,000 cases, you know, you don't necessarily want to file all of them right away. If you've, you've got a good statute situation, these are all new enough, right? Yeah. Um, but then once it gets consolidated, it's a much more efficient process and you can direct file. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as the consolidation happens, that's when you see the numbers moving dramatically. Yeah. You know, and people might think, oh, 55 cases, that's not very many. It's not, but we know that there's tens of thousands of cases you know, hanging out in attorneys' offices right now that haven't been filed. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how crazy the numbers get now. Yeah, yeah. I think especially with just how big this is on social media, we talked about this, mm-hmm. how it's, this is like one of the first, I think, um, drug MDL type of just massive litigation uh, situation that has been directly connected to social media in some type of way that a lot of people are talking about that. I think that there's a lot of faces that you can connect to this authentic <laughs> case, right? Yeah, um, and yeah. so, so I th- famous faces. Exactly, exactly. With a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you said, it doesn't really make sense for a lot of these attorneys to be filing these cases one by one. I mean, 400 to 500 per case and 10,000, 20,000, some of these these law firms, I mean, that is just a shit ton of money. So yeah. they, they, they want to wait until it's consolidated and that process is a lot easier and we see a massive flood of uh, filed cases. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I'm sure that's going to be happening. Um, and yeah, this one's not going away anytime soon and it will be in the news quite a bit. Well, I'm assuming we'll see a lot more as soon as these numbers come in. I mean, this Uh, is something that we've already seen uh, news stations talk about, which is pretty rare, I would argue. A lot of these cases that we talk about, you don't see on on (laughs) You have to listen to our podcast. Exactly. (laughs) exactly. But this one stands out because a lot of news stations do talk about it. And Mm -hmm. when they start getting those clickbait numbers, I mean, 10,000 cases, 20,000, 30,000, whatever it may be, uh, we'll definitely be seeing that in the news. Yeah. Well, and just the fact that, you know, I mean, everybody wants to lose some weight and it's being touted as an easy, you know, a quick, easy fix. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, so much so that there's shortages of the stuff. So, you know, with the numbers of people using it, of course, the numbers of complications are going to continue to rise. Yeah. Um, so this thing is not going away anytime soon. Uh, well, definitely keep us updated there. As soon as those numbers come in, I'm, I'm sure that uh, I'm curious and our, yeah. our listeners are curious as well. Uh, any any final updates on, on cases? Uh, so one more consolidation. Um, again, we spoke about the Suboxone dental uh, injury case. Um, and this was the Suboxone um, that's, you know, it's a film that you put in your uh, in your mouth and it was causing severe, severe tooth decay. Um, and this one now also has been consolidated uh, into a multi-district litigation. This one is in the Northern District of Ohio. And there were only 15 suits that had been filed to date, um, but it has been consolidated. And again, very similarly to what we were just saying, um, I mean, this is something that's, that, that there are going to be really big numbers on. Yeah. Um, and so now that it is uh, consolidated, those numbers are going to, you know, start. start. Uh, what does that process of consolidation looks like? look like? Because if they've only filed 15 cases, do they just have to go to the judge and say, hey, listen, we've got a lot more in the barrel, trust us. And then the judge trusts them I'm to do that <laughs> you know what is that look like? yeah I know there's not a lot of trust involved actually yeah. <laughs> trust a lawyer what wait, 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 wait just a minute yeah um, so what they do is is they're at the hearing both sides sometimes both sides want it to be consolidated and sometimes the defense doesn't want it to be consolidated and so they would both make their arguments um, but the argument of course would be here's the number of cases that that we currently have um, and then it would have to do also with the number of, of people likely if affected mm. out there. And so, you know, how many people use this medication? What's the incidence of problems with the medication? So you want to basically go into the judge and say, yeah, there's only 15, but there's probably, you know, five, you know, 50,000 yeah. that are going to, that are going to come in. And what happens sometimes is that um, they, there will be a hearing um, before the judicial panel and they will say, you know, I don't think that we're not going to 
consolidate this now, maybe later. Yeah. But at this point, we don't think that there's enough cases to make it to have it make sense. And so oftentimes you do see that. And then at the next convening of the panel, they may, um, uh, you know, reapply, basically, mm -hmm. um, argue it again, and sometimes it will then get approved. So um, I'm assuming that the arguments were significant enough and the numbers that they were providing them yeah. were high enough, um, again, that just with 15, because that's not a lot. Yeah. Um, but that being said, if you had 15 around the country, you don't want to have to do the, you know, litigate it 15 times. Yeah. Uh, have they ever revoked that consolidation where they made this argument, they said, okay, we'll consolidate it. And then after, you know, five, six months, a year, whatever it is, just not that many cases come in. Those numbers don't really line up. Or is it a situation where attorneys really never ask for it unless they're hundred percent sure that it's necessary? <laughs> I don't think that it's ever been revoked. I don't know that there would be a process for that. Um, but you do see some kind of fizzle and burnout and get resolved. And so if truly there were only 15 cases, um, you know, I think it would probably get resolved. Or, or what would happen, you know, one way of closing them down is that the judge could could remand them back and just mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to do this for 15 cases. All you guys can all go back to your yeah. home courts, right? You know, Send back, up, pack up and go home. Yeah. Um, you know, but the remand also happens sometimes when there are a lot of cases, but a settlement isn't being reached. Um, they've gone through a few bellwethers and the judge is just saying, look, this isn't going to be a global resolution, sending them all back. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't think that it would be undone per se, but maybe shut, you know, shut down one way or the other, but not yeah. revoked per se. That makes, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I would assume it's not a very common situation. I mean, the amount of money that these law firms have invested and will invest in it, they, they, they want it to be a sure shot thing where, you know, it's always in the air of whether or not you're going to win a case. You only take cases that you feel like uh, there's a good reason to or uh, you have a good chance. But especially with the consolidation, I mean, you got to have like a lot of cases under your belt. You're not just rolling the dice there. Yeah, you're not. But, you know, at the same time, you know, the defense oftentimes really wants this to happen as well because it's much more efficient for them as well. They're litigating in one place as opposed to in 15 different places yeah. and having 15 different teams and 15 different judges making decisions. And, the, and, you know, one of the big, big reasons they do this is that, you know, you can't have one judge dismissing cases saying there's no claim out there and another judge saying there is, or that this evidence should come in another, you know, uh, conflicting it's decisions. Yeah. It's very, very messy. It looks bad on the system as well, right? I mean, it's supposed to be the idea, a jury of your peers, judges are kind of this blank slate, uh, facts speak to everything. But then when you have these similar cases that are being treated very differently, depending on where, it just doesn't look great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's messy for both sides, um, and and more risky for both sides. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it, it's. I mean, it's it's a good system for for both sides, oftentimes, and um, you know, and 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 like I said, it, it moves things along quite quite well. So these these are two ones again that we're um, accepting cases on the Ozempic and Suboxone, um, and they are both consolidated now, and so that you know really kind of picks up the speed. Yeah. Um, and we'll be hearing a lot more about it. it makes the process a lot easier on both sides as well. Um, well, those are, those, are, those are good updates overall, it sounds like, um, and, and will lead to further updates. I mean, especially with the CPAP deaths and, and um, the Camp Lejeune. I mean, that's, that's crazy stuff with the CDC report. Any, any recalls? So, um, sort of. <laughs> this is actually, again, it's Tesla. Uh, and there's always issues with Tesla. Um, but good things as well. Um, so there's not technically a re... Well, this is not actually a recall yet. But there's a probe of um, a, an issue with the power steering. Um, and what happens is this is a required step before, um, uh, b before the agency actually demands a recall. So at this point, um, they're looking at, well, the national, it's the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and this inve investigation covered about 334,000 uh, Teslas, and the issue is loss of the power steering which has caused some accidents and near accidents. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you can't steer, this is a really serious thing. Yeah. So um, so this is an ongoing investigation. And depending on the finding, 
um, or there could be a voluntary recall or potentially a forced recall. And so this is separate than from the autopilot issues we had discussed in previous episodes. This is power steering. So even if no autopilot, it's just someone driving in their car and they lose control of the car essentially because the, the steering isn't working. Right. They can't steer the car. Um, and there's, so for example, one of the cases that was linked to a crash is a driver who was trying to make a right-hand turn and the power steering's out. And so they're trying, 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 and they couldn't couldn't make the, the turn and ended up striking a vehicle. Um, and then a another individual actually talked about what happened to um to, to him. And he said um, that he nearly went into a ditch. He said he felt the steering wheel on his 2023 Model Y jerk to the right. Um, and he said, quote, it tried to kill me. <laughs> it's taken him off into, into a ditch. Yeah. 2023. So, I mean, that's a new model. Right, right. And so, yeah, the, the it's Model 3 and Model Y vehicles from 2023. And there's about 334,000 of them out there. So, um, you know, if that's a vehicle that, uh, that you have, that's something that you want to be cognizant of. Again, um, they're not recalling them yet, but if you're having any issues, you would want to contact the manufacturer. Um, You know, they're saying that they may be able to do, they've addressed some issues with a remote software fix. um, And it's possible that it's actually going to be, you know, the hard parts that are going to need to be repaired. And that's, of course, a much bigger ordeal where you need to take the vehicle in. Um, And That's shocking. There's not more that they can do because even if you haven't had issues yet and because it's not an official recall, there really isn't much anyone can do other than just be aware of it and hope it doesn't happen to them. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, if you're on the highway or, or getting on the highway, anything like that, or in any other situation, right, you're driving and you lose control of your car because of the power steering, you think in your head, well, thank God I've learned about this from prioritizing profits, <laughs> but I wish there was more I could do. I wish I could take it in or, or prevent this from happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be driving one for sure. Yeah. Uh, 2023 too. I mean, we talked about a other recall of, of um, I forgot which car it was the other week, but that was like an older model car. I think it was a Toyota. Oh, the Toyotas. Yeah. yeah. The Toyotas. And that was like an older year, but I, I think it's always shocking hearing the 2023s because I think that's part of the fun in buying a new car is you're like, oh, new, shiny, extra safe, right? There's always safety upgrades and, and you feel a little bit better about being in a brand new car because you just feel like it's, it's safer overall and it's got new fun gadgets. Uh, but then you find out that actually the car's wheeling wheels doesn't don't work. It's it's trying to kill you. Yeah. It's trying to steer you into a ditch. Exactly. It's AI. <laughs> Take you out. That's AI. <laughs> um, that's shocking. That's shocking. One thing I don't know why this reminded me of it. Have you seen the Apple Vision? No. What is that? It's a new product Apple put out there, and it, and it kind of reminded me of this because of like the automated steering and all this and futuristic technology. But uh, it's like a VR headset, but it's more AR, which is like augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put on the headset, and you can see through it, like like as if it's glasses almost, where there's a camera and then there's screens in front of your eyes. Like there there is a barrier in between you and, and the real world, but the cameras are so fast that it, you don't really notice it, I guess. Um, and then you can kind of just do stuff. Like you can uh, throw up like a music video here so you can turn to the right and there's just like a window floating in, in the sky. Like in your vision, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you can do it with like a keyboard. If you get a text, you can like pull it up and it just pulls up right in front of you and you can boop, 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 start typing on it. Yeah, you should look it up. You should look it up. It's really interesting. Apple Vision? Apple Vision. It's a brand new product. Everyone's been talking about it this last week. Um, I'm surprised you haven't seen any videos. There's people I'm surprised too. like yeah. out at dinner and they just have like this massive VR headset on and they're like eating their food and then just doing little things in the in the air. But it's because they uh, are moving like screens and shit. Well, it just seems so strange that you'd be walking around in public with like a huge headset on. Yeah. Yeah. You, you look pretty funky. <laughs> You look pretty funky, but there's videos of people like driving with it on uh, because you you can still see, you can walk around, you can ride a bike or whatever, probably not comfortably. Uh, I don't know if it's legal either, but theoretically you can. So it's like, you know, on some of the um, car on the windshields, you know, they'll yes, have certain yes. things that shot up there, like your, you know, the speedometer mm-hmm. um, or your radio or something. So it's almost like that windshield screen. It's kind of like the windshield screen, except uh, it's just anywhere. Like it, it, it's just floating in the air and you can just go boop and you move the window to the side or, you know, you minimize it like that. And it tracks your hands and your eye movement and everything. 
Okay, people are already complaining about people using their phones too much at dinner or with other people. And now, I mean, this is like, you know, next level up, multiple yeah. levels up, it seems like kind of separating you from the the world, you know, connection with real humans in a way, yeah, isn't it? Futuristic technology sounds pretty cool. I don't know. So uh, you like this thing? Or are you going to try I, it? I, I mean, it's expensive. It's I think it's 3500 pre-tax, 4K total, something like that. Uh, so it's very expensive, and it's their first model, so there's a lot yeah, of... So like, a lot of glitches will be happening. Um, I love the idea. I would like to try one, but I also just don't think it's worth the money because I just wouldn't use it that much. I think once they put out some newer models that are a little bit more cleaner and, and better. Well, you always kind of want them to kind of get all of the, the kinks figured out and yeah. fix. Yeah, for sure. It looks sick, though. Uh, the Tesla discussion kind of reminded me of that, but yeah. getting back on track. All right, back on track. Cases we are handling. Well, um, I was going to kind of dive in a little bit um, on the baby formula cases, only because it's in, in the news again. Um, and just to kind of, well, we'll be brief with this because there's not a whole lot that's changed. But um, this is the um, infant formula uh, given to premature babies in hospitals oftentimes, um, and it has cow's milk in it. And the problem is that cow's milk formula um, greatly increases the risks of a baby getting uh, necrotizing enterocolitis, which is very serious. Yeah. I've talked about that before, um, and often deadly. Um, and, if, and, and you know, they can end up with sepsis. They can end up with having to have some of their intestines and, uh, removed. It's a really, really significant problem. Um, and so it's just been hitting the news a little bit lately. More people are kind of coming. Um, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing problem because it's still happening. It's still, still being provided. Available, yeah. 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 Um, and so, but of course it is in a multi-district litigation in Illinois. Um, as of this, as of last month, January, there were 342 cases filed, not a huge number, but again, this is, um, you know, it's not, this isn't a situation, it's, it's a limited population. So it's going to be, um, babies that are born prematurely and then are fed, uh, the, this formula, Mm -hmm. You know, and just some of the um, some of the stories are just you know really sad, where they have um, babies who are being fed breast milk, and then the hospital. Well, actually, there was one case where the hospital um, said, "Look, you know, they're not gaining enough weight fast enough." These were twins, um, so we want to supplement um, with formula. So yes, you can use your breast milk, but we're also going to add that in the formula, and then just the adding in the formula with the cow's milk, um, and the babies got. NEC. Um, and then other stories where uh, the mother had been feeding, had been breastfeeding, um, providing uh, breast milk for the baby. And then, um, you know, the, a nurse just feeds it the, the, the formula one or t- once or twice, and bam, the baby gets NEC. Um, just very, very, I mean, and again, these are like just the most vulnerable possible yeah. babies out there. And it's something that um, has been well known now for a while. And I just really think it's it's ridiculous for hospitals to be continuing to feed these babies this very dangerous formula. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. And those numbers, while they may not seem super high compared to some of our other cases, they are high for the reasons you mentioned, where it's a very specific demographic and, and population here, where it's premature babies um, in the hospitals. And how is it so so? clarify this for me. It's not necessarily a specific formula brand or product. That's the issue. It's just any formula. And I'm assuming there's several of them that have cow's milk in it. And the the hospitals are supplying it to these uh, infants, these these premature babies, and then this, this disease is... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's anything that has the cow's milk, although it's very limited which formulas are out there. And it's Abbott and Mead Johnson are the main, uh, the main formula makers, and they're the primary defense. Me Johnson from Mead, Johnson and Johnson. Me Johnson. Uh, no, <laughs> sounds like it sounds like one of the, brother, the one of the brothers man. broke off. Of. Yeah. yeah, but but the other thing about the numbers um, is that these are actual lawsuits that have been filed. And a lot of people, when if a baby is diagnosed with NEC, they don't even know that that it's a problem because of the formula. Because it, again, it's a condition that a baby can get. Um, with, even if it just had breast milk, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but if it has the cow's milk, it is greatly, greatly increased uh, risk. And so they just think it's one of those things. Oh, it's premature. Unlucky. Well, but so premature babies are very vulnerable. And so a lot of times they do have 
problems like this, and a lot of times they don't make it. And so the parents are devastated, but they don't connect that it could have anything to do with the formula. Again, this isn't something that has been widely publicized. You know, it's hit the news a little bit, but really not significantly. So I think if people were aware of this, there probably would be higher numbers of, you know, uh, higher numbers as far as lawsuits. Well, obviously the doctors and nurses aren't aware of this either, because I'm assuming they wouldn't be giving this, this formula to the premature babies. Um, And when, you know, whenever this terrible situation does happen and the parents are confused and they ask the doctor, they ask the nurses, you know, why did this happen? Was there anything that we could do to prevent it? They don't know that this is a risk. So obviously they're going to say, well, it's, it's unlucky. You know, this is a risk. This is something that does happen and it's unfortunate, but it does. So what, what would be the next steps here? Because I, I can't tell if necessarily the producers of it would be the defendants or where the case is because – and then are the hospitals responsible here for this as well? Because some of these situations, the, the babies are being given this formula without the mother's consent or knowledge. Yeah. Well, I think both and all of the above because yeah. – so, so first of all, I think if it's – a neonatologist should know this. I mean there's plenty of studies. There's been information out um, since like the 1990s to – and so a, a a good doctor should know this. And so there's a potential for medical malpractice. There's a potential for malpractice on the hospital for, like you said, um, providing a product that the parents are not okay with, have not agreed to. Um, you know, so I think that, I think both of them, but then also there's, um, and, and, and going back to the hospital, um, it's a lot cheaper because mm. the, you know, the other option, um, is formula that, uh, you know, from, from, uh, human milk. Mm-hmm. And so it is much, much more expensive and difficult to get. Yeah. So, you know, they're saving money by providing, you know, the Abbott and the prioritizing profits, right? Exactly. Prioritizing profits. But, um, yeah, but I mean, there's been studies like back in 1990, they found, um, NEC was six to 10 times more common in formula fed babies than those fed wow. breast milk. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just study after study. Then 2009, um, let's see, the U.S. Surgeon General came out, and this was in 2011, and said premature babies who are not breastfed are 138% more likely to develop NEC. Jesus. Um, 2012, American Academy of Pediatrics said preterm infants should only receive their own mother's milk or pasteurized human donor milk. Um, so how how has this gone on for so long, and why is this still unknown, especially within the medical community? Because I would assume we've seen it in some of our cases as well, where yeah, hernia mesh, not many people knew about in the early days, but now there are it, it, it's widespread. People are more aware of it, and in some cases, it's still being used. But a lot of the time, these these doctors realize it and and stop using it. They stop they stop uh, offering it to their pa- to their patients. Um, if this has been known since the 90s, if there have been several studies in the last 10, 15 years that directly prove it uh, having a higher risk, you know, 2x, 130%, I mean, that's insane. Yeah. How is this still going on? Well, it shouldn't be. And, and, and the frustrating thing is that all of these things just take a really long time and a bunch of lawsuits, unfortunately, um, because in, even with the hernia mesh and even with the transvaginal mesh, oh, my God. I mean, doctors are still saying, oh, yeah, there are some complications, but I think it's a good product and I don't see a lot of issues with my patients and I recommend that you do it. Um, and so, you know, and again, with the hospitals, well, we've been doing this forever. And yes, some babies have it, but some babies who don't, you know, some babies with breast milk get this condition as well. Um, and so, so, you know, there are always skeptics and, you know, hardliners out there. And, you know, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way we do it's it. It's so crazy because I would imagine if there's anywhere where step- skeptics should be, you know, not very existent, there's always skeptics, but a very <laughs> limited amount of them would be in the medical field, ah, here, right? Oh my gosh. There's, stu- ah. there's studies, like the entire field is based around studies and, and proving, you know, these drugs work, these drugs don't work, these yeah. are the risks, these aren't the risks. Yeah, but, and, and to that point, though, a lot of times, you know, there are always studies on either side, and the companies are providing information, yeah. and then it's kind of like, who do you want to, who do you want to listen to? But I mean, as a parent, you know, if you have a baby that's already high risk, I mean, you want to do anything and everything to lessen that risk and to absolutely ensure that baby's safety. Yeah. And even if it was 1% more likely, I wouldn't want to 
use it, you yeah. know, and these numbers are not those numbers. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, hence the lawsuits. I mean, these, these patients and parents should be, you know, given all of the information to make the best possible decision. Mm-hmm. And so this is a case that we're handling. Um, and, and I'm assuming it's situations where parents have had premature babies and then they're diagnosed with this um, this disease, and then you look back and see if the, the, the hospital had given them this specific formula. Yeah, and it's very easy to see. I yeah. mean, you know, they're going to indicate what they were, you know, what they were provided in the medical records. But, but yeah, I mean, there's these cases are are very active right now. The trials are supposed to be this starting this year. And who so are the defendants here? Is it the product? I it's, mean, it's the manufacturer. Manufacturer. Yeah. yeah. So, so the the MDL is against the manufacturer of the product. Some cases will also bring in the doctors and will then have a medical malpractice component as well, the mm-hmm. doctors or the hospitals. Yeah. Um, but for the multi-district litigation, it's it's about um, the, the companies and the, their failure to warn. Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% agree with that, that the company should be warning. But I also think with how long this information has been out there, mm-hmm. oh, the responsibility yeah. is a lot more on the doctor's hands than our other cases and cases that we've seen in the past, because this is just such established information. Well, I agree. And especially because it's like this really specialized area too. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, you know, Joe Blow, Dr. Smith, you know, who's, <laughs> who's checking your tonsils or whatever, who's treating your, you know, your, your premature baby. I mean, it's a very specific area and a very specialized area. And in those areas, you should be up to date on all yeah. of the information. And, the, you know, and this is, you know, as you said, pretty, pretty significant and uh, well-known information out there. So, so yeah, I mean, I would, would, would expect that that be. And I want, is, is the statute of limitations here? I mean, I know it's always state by state, but for this case, is there any special situations? Because, um, I mean, maybe, someone had a premature baby. This information has been out for a while, right? There were studies back in the 90s. If someone had a premature baby in the early 2000s and they were diagnosed with NEC, but then, you know, they made it through it and now they're they're a teenager or whatever. Is there a case there that you can go back and... Well, yeah. So two different um, kind of angles here. So if the baby passes away, then it's a wrongful death. And then the the statute would go from the date of death or... um, uh, or discovery rule, depending. Um, but a lot of these babies do survive, but they have some some pretty significant disabilities because if you don't get enough nourishment as you're developing, you can have learning disabilities, physical disabilities, a lot of things along those lines. So if the baby survives, um, they have a claim. Um, their statute of limitation doesn't even start to run until they turn 18. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, for example, if it was in Arizona, um, then the statute of limitation is their 20th birthday wow. because it would be two years from their 18th birthday. Yeah. So, so yes, there absolutely um, is a, is a, a, a longer time frame um, for minors mm-hmm. um, who are involved in, in, in any types of injuries. Well, and this is, this is a very niche case and situation and disease. So it's one of those that you, you can kind of make that direct connection a lot easier. Um, okay. Well, that, yeah. that's good. We, we've, I know we've been handling that for a little bit, but I think that's a, a good update there and um, good to see that it is pushing forward because yeah I think we're going to see some trials pretty soon and uh you know and a lot more information that I'll get out in the news and again it's you know that's one of the really positives about um these trials is they do get out in the news and then more people learn about it and people who um you know have you know then are having a baby will will know to uh you know to know how to protect themselves yeah yeah uh interesting cases in the news Yes. Okay. A couple of them. Um, one is um, a, a <laughs> so it was referred to as gas station heroin, um, and what it is is it's um, a, it's called the tianeptine. Um, and it comes, so, so the FDA has actually come out and warned about a particular brand, um, called Neptune's Fix. Um, but it's basically Neptune's Fix or any tianeptine product. Okay. So it's kind of a uh, reminiscence of Kratom, which gets all kinds yeah. of hoopla. It's good marketing, Neptune. If Neptune likes it, shit, <laughs> I'll love it. 
<laughs> really? Neptune? I don't, I don't know. Like well, he's a god, right? It was the like, god of the sea, right? If this right? gives him a fix, I can only imagine <laughs> what it's going to do for me. Apparently, it, it does give people a really good fix. I mean, it's it's people have been using it to get high for quite a while. Um, it's banned in nine states. Wow. Um, but in the rest of the states, it is being sold. And again, it's like the Kratom where you can basically get it at QT, gas stations. Not QT. Um, QT is pretty upscale, but Circle K, AM, PM, yeah. QT doesn't carry the Kratom. Not that things. type of stuff, no. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, I have not haven't been in the market for it, um, but but it's very serious. And there and the reason the FDA has come out um, and, and issued this warning is that there have been reports really uh, serious injuries, including death, um, people having seizures and loss of consciousness and dying. Um, and these particular products, um, the company is Neptune Resources, and actually the company has agreed to voluntarily recall its products. Wow. Yeah, there's been enough complaints. Um, the specific products are Neptune's Fix Elixir, Neptune's Fix Extra Strength Elixir, and Neptune's Fix Tablets. Um, and so they have uh, they, they they are not distributing anymore, and they're, they've put out a warning, or the FDA has sent a letter to convenience store gas stations and other organizations urging them to stop selling this, to pull it from the shelves if they have any of it. This does sound similar to Kratom, like you yeah. said, but a little bit better in the fact that it is a very specific producer of this 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 product. Well, so the, the this Neptune resources is one, but there are other products that have Tianeptine. Okay. So again, they haven't necessarily been recalled, yeah. but it, any product that has a Tianeptine, you want to be cognizant because again, it's just, it's just like the Kratom in the sense that it's um, it's not regulated. Um, it's being sold as a dietary supplement. Um, so there isn't really any guarantee about the dosage that you're going to get, yeah. the strength of the stuff, um, and, and not a good warning about how it's going to interact with other medications um, you may be taking. Um, yeah, so really any of them you want to be you want to be careful about. Um, and I think it was let's say they were saying at least five fatal overdoses. That well, and what are the what are the effects like here? Because gas station heroin that has quite the ring to it. That's a good <laughs> that's a good uh, buzz buzz line there. But is it is it supposed to have the similar effect of heroin? Is it because kratom kind of had this all over, right? It was like relaxing, but it would give you energy and it would soothe your muscles, but then lubricate. Well, it does everything. Yeah, it was like all over the place. Yeah. Is this uh, kind of still in that same alley or? Yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. So it's considered a non-prescription antidepressant, um, and it's uh, so how it works. Let's see. They're, well, they're saying that it's. Um, let's see. So it affects the dopamine levels in, in addition to your serotonin, and this can contribute to addictive behavior. Um, it can also bring feelings of pleasure and euphoria. Um, increases opioid activity in the brain. So a similar mechanism of action is seen in heroin. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, it makes sense that they got that tagline then, gas station heroin. This one I haven't seen on the shelves quite yet. Uh, I mean, maybe I'll have to take a look uh, again next time I go to Circle K or something like that. Um, and, and then the specific chemical that you mentioned in it, that, that's in a variety of other products, but the, this Neptune Fix and Neptune brand is, uh, I'm assuming, has a higher amount, and which is why there's a higher risk. Well, I think it's just it was more widely uh, marketed. Mm. And so the, 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 as the reports were coming in, they were specifying this particular product. But there are probably other manufacturers that are including the Tianeptine in their, in their products as well. <clears throat> well, uh, hopefully they get that off the shelves. I mean, I think we, we kind of touched on this in one of our other shows, how this, um, unregulated non FDA approved supplements gray area is, is insane. And there's a lot of things that can kind of slip between the cracks and people can kind of sneak in there that really shouldn't be on, on products or shelves. I mean, I know there's a lot of people for Kratom and against Kratom, and that's like a highly diverse, diverse, Divisive. Divisive, yeah, <laughs> topic, divisive yeah. topic. Uh, but I think if uh, anyone can agree that this kind of gray area of supplements is, is not good 
Well, just, I mean, because it's, it's not regulated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just, just looking here. So, so the claims, the positive claims um, in favor of tianeptine, um, the, the manufacturers are saying it can improve brain function, treat opioid addiction and help with anxiety. So very, very similar to the claims yeah. about, uh, about the Kratom. Um, and some of the other brands or the other, yeah, the other supplements that can contain tianeptine are under the names, uh, brand names of Tiana, Tiana Green, Tiana Red, Tiana White, and Zaza. 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 I think I would go with Zaza. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how you know you're selling a good product. That's that's how you know Zaza it's good Zoom. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So another thing to look out for. I mean, yeah. you know, again, all of these 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 uh, supplements that you're finding at gas stations telling you that they're going to fix whatever ails you and you know and basically get you high. It's going to be risky. Well, just don't be buying medication at the gas station. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty simple and straightforward, right? That's a good staple rule to have. Yeah. Uh, Any other interesting cases? Yeah, yeah. Let's hit hit on one more. And this one, um, it's kind of an update, too. Uh, We had talked about in a former, prior episode about um, a lawsuit against Google Maps. Yeah. um, And it was a guy who had been directed over a bridge that was no longer there. And he went into this river and drowned. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is actually a really scary one. Um, A lawsuit's been filed against Google Maps. And this is by... Uh, tourists in South Africa um, who were trying to get to the airport and Google Maps led them through an area that's known as Hell Run. Hell Run. Um, so again, a similar situation. And I know you look skeptical, but this one actually is, I think is, is pretty darn strong. Well, I'm just curious what Hell Run is. What, what, what? Well, Hell Run is a place you don't want to go in South Africa. Why is that? Because you will be attacked. Um, it's, so it's, it's basically, um, they, they have gangs of robbers, okay. um, who are known to be in this area. And so when tourists are driving through there, if they're at a stop sign or something, they come up with, with, with bricks and they break into the, Jesus they break through Christ. the windows of the car. They drag people out. Uh, they steal everything. And so, the, but the thing is that this has happened like time after time, and it's this particular area. Yeah. And then people who are trying to get to the airport. They have all their belongings on them. Right, right. And people who are trying to get to the airport, Google Maps directs them through there. And I thought, you know, I thought, well, well, you know, are they responsible? Do they have to know, um, you know, what are the dangerous areas in every single town um, that you're in? But the evidence here is actually really, really strong that they knew about this. Um, and let me see. They, uh, I was going to give you this specific. Um, I'm going to go back to the specifics of this this case. Oh, but so, so they talk about three separate and similar incidents last year where this happened, um, and Google Maps knew about it. Um, and then Google Maps did actually change their routing after this most recent lawsuit. Um, but they're saying basically, you know, again, they wouldn't have to know of every danger that's yeah. out there. But if they do know that this is a particularly dangerous area and it is leading people through there and they've been notified about it and they don't change that or at least yeah. provide warnings, that then they can be on the hook. And again, this is a lawsuit that's been filed, so it hasn't been resolved yet. We don't know for sure what mm-hmm. the outcome is going to be. But um, the more I read, I was like, well, holy shit, this is uh, this is scary. And, yeah. you know, and again, as a tourist in, 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 in another country, um, I mean, you have no idea what's a dangerous area and what's yeah. not a dangerous area. Yeah, I mean, when we went to Amsterdam and I was using Google Maps, like, you just don't know where you're going you don't know anything about the area you you just trust what you always trust which is google maps and especially if you're going to the airport right like yeah you're just trying to get home that's, <laughs> that's your only focus you're, you're at the long end of a long trip um, i think it there's a lot of responsibility on google maps not only because it's been reported i mean especially because of that but after it's being reported and they can look at this data like all of this data mm-hmm. is being used i'm sure of like the most common routes for people going to the airport from certain sides of town, whatever it may be, um, they can see that there are people that are trying to go back home. Like this, this street is a commonly used street yeah. when going to the airport. Exactly. Uh, and and I would think that there's some uh, adds a little bit of more responsibility in my mind. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and the, the, so the suit says that the United States, South African, and Cape Town officials had all been in communication with Google for months. Oh my god. Asking that Google Maps not direct users along dangerous routes through Nyanga to or from Cape Town International 
airport. So they're saying Google had actual knowledge that violent gangs had a propensity to assault travelers while driving near the Cape Town airport. Um, yeah, so I mean, literally, the governments have been in touch with Google Maps. It wasn't even just that maybe they heard here or there yeah. that these things had happened. Yeah, some soccer mom reaching out. That I can see them <laughs> looking, but no, it is actual governments. And that's good that the government's reaching out. It makes sense because, I mean, tourist, tourism is is a massive part of a lot of these economies. And if they get this reputation that on your way home, you're going to have all your shit stolen. Uh, well, and more than go. stolen. So this this case that's the subject of this lawsuit. So And again, it's like 844 in the morning. It's not like it's late at night or some yeah. scary time when you know not to go certain places. Um, and so the, the family had stopped at a red light um, and a gang of armed assailants uh, come upon the car. One of them throws a paving brick through the driver's side window. So the, bri- the, the brick cuts through the guy's skin and muscle to the bone, knocks him unconscious, shatters his lower jaw bone into several pieces. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And then they fire the, you know, they fire the gun in the air, steal everything and take off. Um, And this was, there were two other incidents, um, well, three separate incidents um, that year, one of them involving a Dutch woman who died after they threw a rock through the window and it hit her in the head. And literally killed her. Um, and then another a student who was driving to the airport through Hell Run um, and was attacked. Uh, oh, no. And the, uh, who was attacked and injured. And then a British surgeon who was killed. Jesus. I mean, so three, you know, two deaths and another serious injury, again, in this exact same area. And Google Maps knew about it. And yeah. it's not like they couldn't change it. They have now. After this, after this was this lawsuit was filed, um, now now they have made the made, you know made the changes. Yeah, that is horrendous. Those Isn't things. it really That's crazy? Insane. Um, and it brings up like a bigger question that you touched on is is do they have a responsibility for knowing dangerous areas in in different countries? I mean, that's a pretty large responsibility there. Pretty difficult. But if you are getting reports on it, you know, maybe that's just the answer to the problem is as soon as you start getting any type of reports, it doesn't need to be a government official reaching right, out. Right, but that's going to be extreme. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes to, you know, the, the standard is if you knew or should have known. And yeah. I think so, so each case, it's going to be different. How much evidence was there yeah. that they should have known this this was dangerous? And I, and I think the more extreme ones, I mean, if there's just certain areas of, of you know, if, if any city or, or, you know, that are, that are really, really dangerous and say everybody knows that, well, Google, you know, damn sure needs to, needs yeah. to know that as well. Um, and just one other quick kind of topic, because a lot of, you know, people always ask, oh, but this happened in a foreign country. How can I sue? And for injuries that happen, um, you know, if you were suing, you know, some resort you stayed at, for example, um, that is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different. But this lawsuit is actually in the state of California because that's where Google Google Maps is. So oh, right. So yeah. the defendant here is not in the foreign country. Yeah. The defendant is in the US. What if it's like a hotel like Hilton, but Hilton offices are based in America? So if it, right, if it then then you could again sue Hilton yeah. where they are incorporated. So here in the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean it's it's more difficult if you want to go sue some little mom and pop place in Costa Rica or something. Yeah. I mean not to say you can't do it, but it's going to be a little more complicated. But Google Maps is uh, is based here in the US. The couple was from the US. Um, and so they filed the lawsuit here, even though the injury occurred, um, you know, in another country. Yeah, well, that that's a good point to bring up because I think that's like a lot of gray, murky, murky areas we've seen, even with a lot of the like product cases and uh, mm-hmm. medication where the, the the producers are based in another country. I think that like the bunk beds was the situation. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things in Taiwan and yeah. China are manufactured there, and oh gosh, it's a nightmare. But as long as the company's based in the states, then there's there's yeah. validity for a claim there um okay very interesting very interesting i'm glad that you touched on that and that's a good point to bring up i think we're gonna close out there yeah. uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and hanging out with us on another episode if you have any questions or concerns feel free to throw them down in the comment section whether you're watching this on facebook youtube tiktok instagram whatever you want you can throw it down there um, and if it's something you don't want to uh, throw it on the public completely understand you can email us at podcast at showeredlaw.com um, questions concerns stories whatever it may be we'll, we'll get to it and, and we're more than happy to talk about it and answer some of those questions um, thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next week Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, prioritizing, prioritizing dangerous drug and product cases.